0: Hello, church, and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. My name is Brother Enoch Jimenez, in case you didn't know me. And tonight we're going to be talking about 2 Timothy Timothy, chapter 2. So um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2 today as we read second timothy we will encounter three metaphors that paul uses for sacrifice and how hard work and sacrifice are inherent in the life of the believer both for daily life and for the advancement of god's kingdom so let's go ahead and start off excuse me with a prayer and we'll begin heavenly father we thank you for your word for your precious word lord that brings breath and revival into our bones lord jesus i ask that you through your holy spirit and through your word speak to us today show us clarity and speak to us what you want us to hear lord we praise you we give you all honor and all glory in jesus name amen amen all right all right church so as we learned last week This is Paul's final and arguably his most personal letter. He wrote it from yet another time in prison and it is addressed to Paul's co-worker and protege Timothy. So in chapter 1, we learned last week that Paul thanked God for Lois and Eunice uh, who immersed Timothy in the scriptures. Now due to this, Timothy had a strong foundation for his faith. And so Paul offers a challenge to Timothy to not be ashamed of the gospel or of Paul. So we see this in chapter 1 verse 8, Do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me in prison, but share in suffering for the gospel. Now the reason Paul needs to emphasize this is because of the negative stigma caused uh, many of Paul's co-workers in ministry to doubt Paul's calling. And so, In in Timothy, Paul mentions two names, Phygelus, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Hermogenes. And so these two people deserted Paul because they were ashamed that he was now an accused criminal, according to the Romans, and they probably knew that he was likely to be executed. So Paul asked Timothy to reject any fear and come visit him in prison. Now Paul knows that this request could put Timothy at a big risk. And so in the opening verse of chapter 2, Paul reminds Timothy that God's grace is the source of power for the believer. And that Timothy should be strengthened by it. And so after this, Paul offers some metaphors. And let's go ahead and read those metaphors right now. And these will help us to understand what Paul is trying to say here. So chapter 2, right now we're going to read verses 1 through 13. And the word of the Lord says, according to the... English Standard Version says this you then my child be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ so metaphor number one good soldier of Christ no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete, metaphor number two. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. Bound with chains as a criminal, But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithful, I mean, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself." Wow, that's awesome. God is faithful all the time. How many of you can testify to that, amen? All right, so in the first metaphor, we see the example of a soldier. Paul likens following Jesus to endure hardships as a soldier, and not just any soldier. Look at that adjective before the word soldier, as a good soldier of Christ. Timothy must take the attitude of a soldier who expects to endure hardships for their cause. No good soldier ever gave up simply because some hardship came to them or during a battle. Now, a good soldier has the discipline to follow orders and obey his commander. For all of you historians out there, if you remember famous battles, the ones that I remember the most are like the battles of Thermopylae, where 300 Spartans fell, uh, where they waved off. Nearly a quarter of a million Persians, all these battles were fought by these soldiers that were well disciplined and they stood their ground. And Church, how many of you guys know that we need to be like that too in God's kingdom? When the darts of the enemy, when the spears, when his attacks come towards us, we must stand firm. And how we, how do we do that? By following the Lord's commands. And where are the Lord's commands found? Right here, Church, in Scripture. And who is the commander? Of course, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the commander of all of heaven's armies. You guys remember that in, in Joshua 9 when the angel of the Lord, the angel of the, um, the armies of, of the Lord came down and appeared to Joshua? That's it right there. That's Jesus. That is the commander of all of heaven's armies, and he is our general. Amen. And so when we read Scripture, Scripture daily not only helps us develop discipline but it also makes us more aware of who the commander is and what his orders are for us. Amen. Uh, when Paul was writing this, you know, it was also likely that he was chained to a soldier uh, because it was Roman policy that if there was a criminal with either a really bad uh, that committed a really horrendous crime, or that had been imprisoned several times, uh, this prisoner will be chained. He will be shackled uh, with a Roman soldier that was on guard. And so Paul knew uh, how a soldier would act, and he pro- and he probably saw this as an excellent example of how we also ought to act in God's kingdom. Amen. Now. Uh, In verse five, we have the second metaphor, the second example that Paul uses, and this is the one of an athlete. And so Paul exhorts us to persevere for God with an athlete's attitude. Verse five says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes, excuse me, according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Sorry, I skipped ahead of a verse. Okay. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So Paul often drew upon the, uh, the world of athletics for illustrations, and we see that here. Uh, we also see it in 1 Corinthians uh, 9, where Paul uses examples like boxing and another example of track and field. Uh, he also uses examples of wrestling in Ephesians. Um, And so Paul is telling us to go through life with an athlete's mentality. But here's a caveat. He's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And so the point is pretty clear here, right? An athlete can make up the rules as he pleases. He must compete according to the rules if he wants to receive the crown, if he wants to receive that medal, that trophy. And so... For us as believers, it's possible to fall into the mistake of thinking that we can make up our own rules for our own, for our Christian life. And so, you know, for some of us, our special arrangement might, might go something like, I know this is sin, but God understands, so I'll just keep doing it, you know, I know watching this is bad, I know doing this is bad, texting this to this person is bad, but God will forgive me. It shouldn't be like this though. Because this is stomping on the grace that God has given to us. And we saw in verse 1, right, that we're to strengthen ourselves with God's grace. And how can we strengthen ourselves with God's grace if we are abusing it? This goes against the attitude of an athlete who has to compete according to the rules and according to integrity. Scripture tells us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord, right? So we're to walk with integrity. We're to walk according to the rules. Will it be hard? Of course. But guess what church, we're not alone. That's why Jesus sent the Spirit to guide us. And we have to have a win-win mentality, and not just you know in our spiritual life, but also in just daily life. Earlier today, I was on social media and I was watching this interview that someone had with Kobe Bryant after game three of, of a playoff game. I don't know what year it was, but uh, the Lakers were up 3-0 and if you know anything about basketball um this was the finals this was finals and in all playoff games in order for you to win in advance you have to win best four out of seven and so the lakers were up 3-0 and this person that was interviewing uh Kobe the great late Kobe Bryant he said uh why aren't you smiling because Kobe wasn't smiling like the rest of his teammates were and so Kobe said well It's because the job isn't done. And so I was like, that's a great mentality to have. The job isn't done, church. You know, Um, we ought to have that same mentality for the kingdom. We we can't settle for comfort just because we're up ahead, just because uh, we're doing good. We should never settle because complacency leads us to eventually falling behind. So let's persevere and let's keep running that race like good athlete until... We finally gain victory. Amen? And so the final metaphor that we have here is the hard-working farmer. And so in calling Timothy to have the attitude of a farmer, Paul emphasized the fact that farmers are hard-working. Look at verse 6. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Unlike the soldier or Uh, or the athlete, you know, there's nothing glamorous about farm work. It's usually tedious. It's usually boring. It's usually unexcited. And, you know, if you you think about it, it's like the nation's best farmer really isn't a celebrity, but he must work hard all just the same, right? Paul wasn't just uh, called to ministry. He wasn't just blessed. He wasn't just anointed. Paul was also hardworking. You know his ministry would have been far less effective if he had not worked hard you know you can be talented but if you don't have the discipline of a soldier or the dedication of an athlete or a hardworking ethic to achieve something in life you're unlo- unlikely to succeed because talent can only get us so far you know our character far outweighs our talent and so far and so if our character is lacking we're never going to be able to continue you know if we have that bad work ethic. If we don't have that mentality of an athlete, of a soldier to win, to to continue against all odds, guess what? When the the storms of life hit, when the enemy throws those darts, it's going to reveal your foundations. And if our foundations aren't centered on Christ, if we don't work hard to get our foundation set on the cornerstone that is Jesus, those waves of life are just going to come crashing on. And we're just going to be washed away with the tide. And so, we're a real important church, and you know, some expect, some people expect something for nothing, but wise people know that you often get out of the things according to the measure that you put into them. So we are putting forth little effort into our Christian walk, we should expect little results. Yet at the same time, Paul knew that all the work that he did was the gift of God's grace in him again as he said in first Corinthians fifteen you know I labored more abundantly than they all yet not I but the grace of God that was within me Paul knew the balance of working hard but also knowing that it is uh that a huge portion of it is God's grace too he knew that it wasn't all just him but it was also God's grace through him and Paul was thankful for that and that should be an example that we should emulate as uh as followers of jesus amen and so uh another important thing that i want to mention here uh, when it comes to the farmer is it's uh, verse five says the farm worker must be the first to partake of the crops now timothy had spiritual food right because he was in charge uh of the church in ephesus uh well we don't exactly know if he was in charge but he was certainly a church leader uh, there in the city of Ephesus and so Timothy was in charge of giving spiritual food to the congregation and so here Paul is saying that Timothy has to eat of the fruit first so this is important because you know it's important for us as ministers as believers to first feed ourselves before we can go and minister to other people because how can we fill others if we're empty ourselves it's important first to grab the seed that is the Word of God and first place it in our hearts. When that seed sprouts, then we can begin, right? Handing out seed to the rest of the world. How how can we spread God's love and grace if we ourselves aren't living by it? If we ourselves aren't uh, in His Word, amen? And so that's why it's so important, church. so important that we feed ourselves first um, and be the... Uh, be partakers of that first fruit that is the word of God. And so, uh, let's go, let's continue on. Verse 8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. So we just saw that Paul has explained these three illustrations of the Christian life, right? A soldier, an athlete, and a farmer, and each of these three occupations need great perseverance to succeed. And so the soldier who stops fighting before the battle is never finished and will never see victory. The athlete who stops running before the race ends or cheats during a race will never win or will be disqualified from the race. The farmer who stops working before the harvest is complete will never see the fruit of his crops. And now, after all of this is done, Paul says, May the Lord give you understanding in all these things. So Timothy was instructed to see the importance of persevering and to receive understanding from the Lord in all these things. Now God is faithful and he gives us this understanding. That's why he sent his spirit down to give us grace and to be strong. All we have to do is ask. The word says, ask and you shall receive, amen. And so, uh, here I wanna add this this awesome quote from one of our early church fathers, St. Augustine. He said, uh, pray as if everything depended on God, but work as if though everything depended on you. So we must pray for that understanding, but we must also work diligently for faith without works is dead, right? James tells us in in his book in chapter 2 that faith without works is dead and so we cannot stand idly waiting for the world to change. Excuse me, the world changes by example and, not, and by our hard work, not just our opinions. And so we got to keep moving forward, church, no matter what. Hold steadfast fast to the truth that is Christ Jesus. Amen. And so Verse 8, that, the one I just read, uh, remember that uh, uh, verse 8, so here Paul is uh, talking about his life as suffering, uh, as one of suffering, right? And so Paul's life was definitely not full of glamour, definitely not full of ease, it brought him a life full of adventures and challenges, this life of following Jesus and it was all marked by suffering. And so it's a little difficult for us today to imagine Paul's struggles, because uh, here in the Western world, and especially in the US, you know, we have freedoms of religion and speech, but Paul had very little of these. And so consequently, he was in prison several times, but he persisted despite the challenges. Verse. let let's see, look, look at what he says in verse 10. I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. <clears throat> glory. And so Paul's life was not merely spent in getting people rescued in Jesus, but also in seeing them grow and becoming complete in their relationship with him. So how many of you know that uh, saving people is only part of, it's only half of the mission of the church it's also to make disciples remember the great commission jesus says go into all nations right that's one and then number two making disciples so not only do we have to preach the word not only do we have to bring them to jesus but we also have to disciple them to teach them to grow in the word to teach them the spirit spiritual disciplines like prayer, like fasting, so that they may grow, that they may mature, and that they may bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so this was Paul's joy. So even though he was suffering, even though, you know, trial and trial and trial, Paul counted it all joy because he knew the reward that he was getting. Now let's go on to verse 11 through 13 this is probably one of my favorites here in scripture if he if we have died with him we will also live with him if we endure with him we will also reign with him if we deny him he will deny us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny his nature how many of you are God are thankful? For God's faithfulness, amen. He's always faithful, always, and He's always just and always merciful, and He always comes through for us, although not always on our terms. So, what I mean by that so, while God is faithful, God isn't predictable because God always accomplishes the things that we want, but never in the way that we want them to turn out, or at least seldomly, because When that happens, more often than not, it results in us thinking that whatever we did was done in our own power. And we forget to thank God for the role He played in that task. We forget about God's grace when we think that we did everything, right? Because um, we think it was through our own power. But no, God is always faithful and God always comes through for us, but on His terms, not on our terms. And so that's what I mean by uh, when I say God is faithful. But not always predictable and so let's continue on verse 14 verse 14 and on remind them of these things and charge them before god do not quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, seeing that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone whose names the name of the Lord depart from equity. iniquity. Sorry. Now in the great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach patiently during enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. May God perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will so there's some crazy stuff going on here right the church of ephesus and so paul is warning timothy to be careful against all these people and all these things that are going on in the church so amongst amongst these are what one of them is babel so Looks like there there's uh, some gossip going on in that uh, church, some cheese man, as we say in Spanish, right? Um and so this isn't this isn't good. Why is it not good? Well, one, not only are you speaking bad and uh and that's not right, but two, you, you can never see a person better than uh how you talk about them. And so uh guess what if all you're talking about uh, behind Uncle Bob's or Brother Tim's uh, is is bad. The next time that you see him, you're never gonna be able to. Uh, you're never gonna be able to see him in your mind better than how you're speaking about him. And so it's it's important that we don't do this because the tongue is like, as as uh, James says in the book of James, the tongue is like a little flame, right? It has the potential to ignite a whole forest. And so we must be careful with our words. What does, I believe in Colossians, Paul says, let your words be seasoned with salt. I believe uh, Peter says this as well. Um, Jesus says, be salt and light of the earth, right? We're to season things with salt and not, um, and not, what metaphor am I looking for here? And not, um, destroy, right? You want to preserve salt, acts as a preserver too. And so, well, when you salt something, you preserve it, but when you don't, it rots. And so, that's what we got to be like when we speak. We got to speak life into one another. And so, uh, and so, that's uh, that's Second Timothy chapter chapter 2 church. Uh, we will end right here and uh, let's go ahead and uh, end in a word of prayer and then we'll uh, we'll go through some announcements that we have for this Sunday. Lord again we thank you for your word Lord. We pray that the lessons learned here today would uh, be engraved into our hearts Lord so that as king david said that we might not sin against you lord and that we might learn to follow you and follow your path more diligently lord jesus and with more vigor lord knowing that you are always good and you are always faithful and always there for us father again thank you uh we give you all praise all honor all glory in jesus name a and amen.